Hello. How many times a year do you find you need to thank experience for keeping you out of certain trouble? I had such a moment the other day, and I mean, it was a very ordinary thing. It was an ordinary afternoon. I was going about my ordinary business. I had to pick up something. And so I'd crossed Dam Square, uh, heading towards Dam Strand, and I needed to go up that street and, you know, do the rest of what I needed to do. And I get to the street, and my mind immediately does this major OMG because the pavements and spilling over onto the road, are, they're just filled with people. It's like this treacle river. It moves very, very slowly. Just people, 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 people. And um, I knew immediately that I shouldn't let myself get trapped in there. So I stay on the road. So I'm walking up the road. And remember, the road is the domain of cars and cyclists. The cars are really no problem. They're not traveling very quickly. But it's the cyclists you need to watch out for because a lot of cyclists in Amsterdam are kind of stressed out by tourists. Um, I'm not going to say if I'm in that group, but what it is is that there's only so much room for so many people. And so when you have too many people, well, they find the space and the space is on the road and that's where the cyclists are and they often have to sort of dodge left or right or whatever. And that does lead, to, you know, when it happens again and again, it can lead to... Um, irritation so often you hear <laughs> cursing cyclists and all that stuff uh, even some cyclists i know this i'm not included they have made a sport of cycling really close to tourists to sort of scare them anyway so i'm on the road and i'm risking the wrath of all these furious cyclists and you wonder so why would i do such a thing well the reason is because experience told me it is better to face uh, damage to limb and possibly life rather than get myself stuck in that uh, treacle river of tourists so uh, quite a few years back i think around the time amsterdam really made a choice to pledge some kind of loyalty to the i don't know the kings and queens of tourism and you had this huge influx. It just happened over two or three years. You've got a lot of people. So I, because I live in the center, I have all these shortcuts from one place to another. And one of the shortcuts, if I was at the Newmarket, going to my house would be to cut through the red light district and, you know, zigzag and I'd be home very quickly. So I moved into this street called Bloodstraat. Uh, blood streets and by the way it's a kind of weird name uh, i asked people about it and some people say it's named that way because <laughs> because of the rivers of blood of executed prisoners i don't know if that's true but that's what i heard anyway so i go into the street kind of okay and then suddenly as i get to outer size it just it's too late i can't i'm i'm in with thousands and thousands and thousands of people I can't get out and you can't even take a full stride it's sort of you shuffle along and ah oh, this was the, or let's say it seemed as if this journey to where I needed past the old church uh, and out behind there on my way home it seemed to take months years it was terrible
It was, I mean, it was, it wasn't violent or noisy. It was just the sense that I had no choice in the matter. I had to move at the pace of everybody else. Um, I'm not a tall person, so I spent my time staring at the shoulders of somebody in front of me. And it, it just, oh, sort of not quite panic attack, just, oh, I can't breathe, can't breathe. And just, oh, please, 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 let me out, let me out, let me out. And then um, later on, having recovered, of course, I thought about it's very odd that you spend good money and go to a city that you've seen pictures of, have heard of, oh, it's a beautiful city and it's da-da-da. Then you go there and you spend a huge chunk of your time just squashed up in such a... Treacle River. So the fact that that experience was so, so terrible is why the other day when I saw the crowds, I said, I'm going to stay on the road. I don't care what the cyclists say to me. I will survive. And of course I did. All right, on to the episode. Um, the theme of this particular episode is one that is very familiar to anybody who has ever tried to get a book out there. And the theme is rejection. <laughs> it's not a favorite subject, but it's, it, I, I suppose I can now look back on it and think about rejection with, a, with warmth and a little bit of humor. A long time ago, somebody said to me, and these were not that person's words. They, they had taken these words from somewhere else. They said, oh, as a writer, you need to learn to love rejection. It's, it's just part of the deal. And true, it is part of the deal. You do have rejections and you learn to deal with them. But love it? Never. It's just, it's beyond, I don't have, maybe you need a particular kind of emotional muscle to do that. I don't have it. So I can't, I can never love rejection. I don't like rejection. But it doesn't kill me. I mean, the days of rolling around the ground in anguish and <laughs> those uh, way, way back in the past. But um, because the theme is rejection, I just thought, let me talk about a few rejections that I remember. Not to horrify anyone, but just, you know, these are things that happened. And uh, I remember the first one, the first one, these are rejections relative to writing a book or trying to get a book published. So the first one was ages and it i mean it was just miles and miles it's so far away i was very young and of course if you're young you don't know that much you think you know a lot but you don't and i was very confident at least in my writing so i wasn't necessarily a confident human being but in writing i thought oh i'm such a genius um <laughs> i don't know why i thought that but i did and uh, i don't think that anymore so i finally um the desire to write a novel had been there for ages, and finally I'd, you know, with a typewriter, I'd finished my first novel. And so I sent the first three chapters out to five agents, and this is way back in the day. Everything was, there was no email, nothing like that at all. You typed it out, you made copies, and uh, you sent it off. So I sent that off, and I knew that one of those five agents, possibly all five, would soon get back to me saying please give us the rest of the manuscript this is the greatest stuff we've ever read you're brilliant you're glorious just all kinds of images filled my head so i've sent this off and they sort of wait a bit 
And about a couple of weeks later, I think maybe three or four weeks, who knows, I get a letter. So I open the letter, you know, you see the letterhead of the uh, literary agency. And I start reading. Uh, it's possibly off-white paper. So I'm reading. And I know that ha it's, that can't be true because they're saying thanks but no. And there's no way, it's just, just no way that they can read. It's, how, how is that even possible? And so in what now looks like foolishness, but I think was a kind of desperation, I called the agency and asked if they had made a mistake. And of course they said, no, we don't want your material. So I thought, okay, that burned, you know, but I knew there were four other agents and okay, you know, it can happen. There's one who won't want your stuff, but the others would definitely want it. And I just got four more no's. And that was brutal. It was, it was really, I can't even go to that place. I was so down. I was so, I was so sure that this was it. This was just the right kind of thing. And, um, and that burned and kind of knocked me off uh, balance for a bit. Uh, but I have a feeling my character has been shaped by mountain goats and donkey jeans so i'm very stubborn kept going on uh in 1986 this is talking of no sorry 1987 talking of how long ago this was i worked on another book sent that one in and this got through so the first three chapter phase success got through the agent asked for the full manuscript and i'm thinking ah oh, okay i knew it i knew it this is going to happen and eventually it got turned down. It got turned down, well, not because it wasn't right, but it was simply bad timing. Um, um, in retrospect, I'm glad it wasn't published because it was uh, a book set in Vietnam. So if you took MASH and f in, uh, fused that with uh, Catch-22, this was my thing. So there was no original voice, a lot of original ideas, but it was, you know, whatever. And because you had this spate of Vietnam films, it just, no, nah, it was a bit too late. So that was a big downer. And uh, even though I probably tried, um, I told many people, oh yeah, I'm writing this book, writing this book. And then I get this rejection, so I have to tell them uh, no. And that part is really sticky. Oh, that was, you know, saying, no, it's not happening. And yeah, so, um, however, the agent did say, look, the next thing you write, uh, send it in. So of course, like a rocket, I wrote this thing about um, a comedian who had gone mad. That's, that's I, I can't remember much more than that. Again, lots of great bits and pieces in there, but it wasn't, uh, it, it just wasn't ready. And she told me, she said, listen, if you can do this and this and this and this, you can probably shape this into something decent. Well, of course, as I said, I was young and it was like, how dare you tell me what to do? <laughs> so I didn't do that. I decided I'm going, you know, I'm going to give it my all. And I created this book that was, uh, was a monster of a novel. That is not a monster in a good sense. It was just very dark and it had no plan. It was, it, it, you know, I was sort of throwing tricks out left and right. And that was rejected, and it also ended my relationship with that particular agent. So, you know, yeah, well, um, shortly after that, by that time, I think I had just moved to the Netherlands. 
And so I was just doing bits and pieces and writing a couple of short stories. I did get published. And then I, um, back in those days, you could still send a manuscript directly to a publisher. So twice I had manuscripts, the full manuscript read by publishers, both times not quite. One of them was reasonably close, but not quite. And by this time, I think my views on rejection were, it's it's just the air we breathe, you know. If you if you want to get a book out, the chances that your very first attempt is accepted. I mean, it happens. It's just, but it wasn't happening to me, and so I'd accepted that. And so, um, yeah, I try again, and I think somewhere around 2010, 2011, I had. Uh, there's a book I had. I, there's a story I had. I have a lot of stories which are very old, so they're like, they just ferment and sometimes they turn into something else. So I had this story um, that was from about the early 90s and I decided to give it another go. I expanded it and sent it off. Um, there are a number of things that were wrong with this particular approach. <laughs> One was <laughs> I finished the first three chapters they were really really good really solid and then sent it off I hadn't finished the book but I sent it off when somehow thinking that if an agent said yeah then that would motivate me to finish the rest as if you can't finish a book in just 10 minutes so anyway um, but an agent uh, said hey this is I like this it's very funny it's this and that and hope begins to rise and so what I did was completed the book in this insane rush. And it was just, I, I looked at it some years later. It was, I was it, it, that's not the way to go about business. But they said, okay, um, you can refine this book. This, there's so much going on here. There's too much here. Calm down. You know, gave me some pointers. And this time I was willing to listen to the pointers and not reject them as I had done many years before. So I embark on uh, a rewrite, and something very strange happened. I, <laughs> I couldn't stop writing. <laughs> and the result was this, this massive, massive, massive manuscript. I mean, just, just way too much, uh, this manuscript. And um, it's parked somewhere. And by the, I can say, by the way, it is, I am going to, there is a lot there. There really is a book in there, and it's, I hope to that it will be maybe my fourth book or third book. I'm not sure. Uh, published, but yeah, that was that was nuts. And so when that didn't happen, I got into this um, a bit of an odd phase. I think I just started looking back and began to doubt, as you do if you keep trying something and it doesn't work. Then at a point you think, should I go on? And I only had my partner supporting me. Nobody else was, everybody was like, yeah, this is a hobby, it's blah, 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 don't write you. Writing is for others and, you know, this one and that one. And so I slowly let go, or I thought I let go of the, um, the novel writing plans. And around 2015, I got into live storytelling. And I did that all the way up to the beginning of the COVID pandemic. And I learned a lot about... 
uh, telling stories live. First of all, I had a plan, and that was I would never repeat the same story, so I'd always come up with a new story. But I learned a lot about communication and understood that there's a certain joy if I can tell a story and people can take that on board. That joy, that's what it's all about. That's what I, that is the kick. Um, I used to think it was having a book. I mean, that, that's wonderful because the book allows people to read the story, but it's ultimately the, the big um, buzz comes from that people take this thing that you've put together and they take it and they appreciate it and that's just pretty wild. So that's what I learned during the, the live storytelling. Uh, there is one thing about such a scene when you have a large audience or any audience and they're clapping and cheering it it begins to mess with your brain or at least it began to mess with my brain and I noticed that very slowly I stopped telling stories with meaning and began to tell stories for the effect and so that was this old thing the ego had been let loose and was <laughs> so like don't worry I'm in control here and and I, I don't know, it just wasn't, I, no, 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 I thought this isn't, it, it took out a lot of energy and it somehow wasn't right, but the stories, yes. And so COVID comes along, everything shuts down, and there's a story that I had actually once told um, at the Mesra, this is where I would tell my stories, and it it's an old story and it just sort of, didn't really know where to go. And then finally, the COVID is there, and I said, you have a lot of time. I, w I had an old podcast, as I've mentioned before, and I was telling a story every day. But when I slowed, I s eventually slowed the storytelling down and began to write and began to focus on this. So this was maybe spring 2020. And I began to sort of poke around, and then some other thing came along. I think I did a children's play. And so by October, am I right? By October, I had just fallen into this, I, this incredible tunnel. The, you had this curfew, so I think everybody had to be home at, by nine o'clock because this was like the second phase of the COVID pandemic. And I just sleep very early, get up about four and just be writing and writing and writing and writing. It, it was, it, it, there was nothing I could do to stop it. I mean, I entered this world, I built this world, I entered it and stayed there and wrote and wrote and wrote. And then finally in spring uh, 2021, I have this manuscript ready. I send it off to the first agent, get silence back, nothing. So I'm thinking, oh no, <laughs> because I have told myself this time, this time it has to happen. I've put so much energy into this that, and, and I was very diligent. I really, really thought hard about what I was doing. I tried to make sure I am telling a story. I'm not showing off. I'm not uh, letting everybody see what kind of wordsmith I am and all that stuff. No, just story, story, story. So I was very happy. So I sent this off, no reply. So I sent it off to another agent and it's like, this time I get a rejection like thanks but no so it's like okay <laughs> you know hold on there hold on hold on so then i send it off to two more agents and then one replies reasonably fast i think oh yeah this is going to be and it's not it's like 
look, I really like what you're doing, but I think it's just too short. So if you're willing to, uh, if you have a book that is so many thousand words, I'm, I'll look at that, but this is just too short. And then a week after that, I get another reply, and this time it's from Amy, say, hey, we like what you've done. Could you send in the full manuscript? So it's like, hey, is something happening here? Um, of course, I send in the full manuscript and start waiting. <laughs> and that wait, <laughs> I mean, I don't have any hair, but it, had I hair, the hair would have gone just from the, the, the trying to be really calm, like, don't worry, you know, the, the days go by, the weeks go by, so I haven't heard anything. Is this good? Is it bad? Is it this? Is it that? And eventually, eventually, I get this email saying, look, do you want to have a chat? Because this is really nice stuff. And I am, it's, I, I, I'm not even going to bother to try and describe how I felt then. It's just something you've wanted to do for so long or something you've wanted to happen for so long. I'd never reached this point. So, for example, the first time a book was, a story was published, a short story in Cosmo, I was jumping up and down. I remember that feeling. And so this was bigger than that, just having an agent. And so you go through this whole thing and now I have an agent and then uh, tiny preparations here and there and the manuscript gets sent out to publishers so of course this is a new phase it goes to one publisher it goes to another another no 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 and then suddenly somewhat i hear oh um um yeah <laughs> i don't i don't want to say names yet so that's why i pause it but anyway i hear that could we keep it a bit longer because the commissioning editor would like to share it or the, you know i don't know so is that good okay and a bit more waiting and then suddenly i'm walking around i get this text message check your email check the email and there's this book offer and wow that was that was just i mean i'm going to talk maybe a bit more about that sensation though just what it felt like the days of once i heard that i had that book deal but i was really as you can imagine i was incredibly happy i was so overjoyed this is something i've wanted for so long and you know you all the people who are saying give up and this and that and then your own you know the fights with yourself about your own your own confidence yeah maybe you are crazy maybe this isn't to be, but it is to be. And so um, in a couple of weeks, on the 23rd of March, my first novel will be published by Picador. Now I am here. I will talk more about the novel in subsequent episodes. But for now, I think, uh, what do I have to say? I have to say, on, on, you don't have to love rejection, just accept it's part of the plan. However, uh, well, I can only speak for myself. If you if you have a voice inside that is really pushing and saying, no, 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 I can do this, I will do this, I can do this, I think it's good to listen to that voice. Um, I sometimes feel, had I listened earlier, then life would have been easier, but look, this is, we go as we go. So, yeah, um, rejection doesn't always have to end on a bad note. It can end on a really bright and positive uh, uh, note. So I say ciao for now and talk to you next time.